Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There is immense power in his name, for his name is holy. We are commanded not to take his name in vain, yet this commandment is violated everywhere today. Even Christians take the Lord's name in vain without even realizing it. Let's find out how on today's episode of the Glowing Coals Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Glowing Coals. But before we start, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to click that subscribe button to keep up with my latest content. And don't forget to click the bell for further notifications. And as always, if you enjoy this content, please hit the like button, which will help push this content out to more people. In Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet, Juliet famously said, What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Shakespeare's intention behind this statement was to suggest that a person's essence and actions matter more than their name. However, when it comes to God, is this concept applicable? In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the third commandment says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. In other words, we are not to use God's name in a trivial, meaningless manner. It is not about superstitions like altering his name or avoiding saying it altogether. What I'm referring to is the improper usage of his name, lacking reverence and worship. This includes making empty oaths, swearing, or invoking God's name in an oath without sincerity or proper intent. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Verse 4 through 6 says, When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin, and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? To violate vows is such a serious matter that Jesus advises against swearing altogether, not even by heaven, as it is God's throne, or by the earth, as it is his footstool. Instead, a simple yes or no should suffice. Other ways that violate the third commandment include falsely prophesizing in God's name, or as in the days of Aaron the priest, mishandling holy things dedicated to the Lord would defile his holy name. These examples demonstrate that God's name holds significant meaning and is far more than just a mere label. Have you ever found yourself using God's name as a swear word? And what about those times when you've accidentally hurt yourself? Have you ever, in a fit of anger, condemned the very thing that caused you pain to damnation? Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And what about the subtle words you use when you're shocked or surprised? Have you ever found yourself using the expression, oh my gee? Wouldn't that be considered using God's name in a trivial, a meaningless manner? 
Most of the points I've discussed so far may be evident, but did you know that there are other types of words commonly used in place of these prohibited terms? These substitute words are known as euphemisms, which are mild or indirect expressions used to replace harsh or vulgar words. Were religious euphemisms intentionally created to replace forbidden words in order to avoid violating the third commandment? If that is the case, can we consider ourselves guiltless before God and escape the true essence of taking the Lord's name in vain? To be honest, I believe that many people who use religious euphemisms are unaware of the true meaning behind these words. In some cases, these euphemisms serve to obscure or mask the original intent or significance of the words they replace. But before I demonstrate religious euphemisms, let's first look at some examples of non-religious euphemisms. The following are five examples showing the harsher or direct word with its associated milder indirect word. Number one, instead of saying died, one might say that a person simply passed away. Number two, we could say that Tommy was fired from his job, but to lessen the blow, we could say instead that Tommy was just let go. Number three, instead of telling Gina that he's unemployed, Tommy could put a positive spin on his situation by saying he's between jobs. Number four, have you ever called out sick from work and told your boss that you are feeling under the weather? And number five, the next time you're running late, again, you may want to say instead that you are running a little behind. Here's one directly from the Bible. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 3, it says, And he came to the sheepcoats, by the way, where was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. If you didn't catch it, the euphemism was cover his feet, which is another way of saying that Saul had to relieve himself. Now, let's look at seven examples of words along with the religious euphemisms that I bet most of you have used or perhaps heard of, but never gave it much thought before today. Number one, God. In its place, people will use such words as golly and gosh, especially in the most popular phrase, oh my gosh. Number two, Jesus. In its place, people will use such words as geez, gee, gee whiz, probably meaning Jesus wizard, and jeepers. Number three, initials for Christ. In its place, people will use such words as Jiminy Cricket, Jiminy Christmas, Jumpin' Catfish, and Jeepers Creepers. Number four, Lord. In its place, people will use such words as Lordy, Laud, and Laudy. Number five, Holy. People will tack onto the end of the word holy with such words as cow, mackerel, and the most irreverent words that I will simply not utter here. Number six, damn. In its place, people will use such words as darn, dern, and dang. In other words, they're asking God to condemn a person or something. And finally, number seven, God diet. In its place, people will use such words as doggone it, dadgummit, it, and dagnabbit. There are even worse examples than the ones I've presented, but I'm confident that you grasp the point. 
Regardless of whether we use the explicit terms or euphemisms, the underlining meanings remain the same. As followers of Christ, it is crucial for us to steer clear of using these words, including, in my view, the euphemisms themselves. God's name is sacred and holy. He is the creator of all things, including our tongues, which should be used to glorify and honor his holy name. Our words should be a source of blessings for one another rather than curses. For Paul says in Ephesians chapter 45, verse 3 through 5, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Some of you listening today may experience a similar conviction to what I felt a few years ago. Others may not see any issues with using religious euphemisms, while some may even be using the more explicit and direct words. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this matter. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment and let's begin a conversation. Thank you for listening. Until next time, God willing, God bless. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Please tell others about this podcast by rating us and leaving a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on most other platforms. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment. And don't forget to click the bell for future notifications.